Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Thanks to everyone who supports Daily Tech News Show directly. To find out more, head to dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Wednesday, July 25th, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I am Scooter Lane. From, <laughs> from Studio The Plague is Gone, finally, I'm Scott Johnson. And of course, uh, with us is our producer, Roger Chang. Hello, how are all of you? We are good. We have a request for a t-shirt, uh, Scooter. Oh, which Scooter do you mean? Oh, I, mean, mean? I mean, Scooter Lane, of course. Oh, okay. Uh, what's that, Tom? Reed, Reed Fishler on Twitter asked for a I'm a friend of Scooter Lane t-shirt. That's not bad. I love it. <laughs> we'll, we'll see if we can, we can figure that out. Let's sell some teas. Let's start, however, with a few tech things you should know. Tuesday, we reported that Facebook Hong Kong Limited had registered a subsidiary in China. However, shortly after the registration was reported, the online listing in the government database disappeared. A source tells the New York Times that approval was indeed withdrawn. Supposedly, the Cyberspace Administration of China was not consulted by local officials who initially approved the registration. You're not getting that back, I think. Oops. Uh, Blockchain company Tron. I love their name so much, has acquired the BitTorrent file sharing company. Tron founder Justin Sun says Tron is now, quote, the largest decentralized Internet ecosystem in the world, formerly played by Bruce Boxleitner. Uh, BitTorrent says it has no plan to change its products or services or start mining cryptocurrency. Yet. Yet. No, he didn't say yet. I said yet. Uh, CertCC has sent out a security advisory regarding a Bluetooth vulnerability discovered by scientists from the Israel Institute of Technology. Lior Newman and Eli Biham discovered it. Pairing devices do not sufficiently validate elliptic curve parameters used to generate public keys during a Diffie-Hellman key exchange. And if that doesn't make sense to you, don't worry. What you need to know is an attacker in range of two two devices with the bug, and both devices have to have the bug, could get the encryption key and recover data sent between the two devices during an otherwise secure connection. Apple, Broadcom, Intel, and Qualcomm have all deployed fixes for the vulnerability, so make sure you update your OSs as they get pushed out. The Bluetooth Special Interest Group has also updated the specification for Bluetooth as well. Um, So there's no evidence that this was done in the wild, um, but it was a pretty significant vulnerability. All right, let's talk a little bit more about chat, Scott. Well, chat, Tom, as you know, is a big deal, and 
Finally, Valve's getting involved. Uh, Valve launched Steam Chat to all of its users on Tuesday. It was impossible to miss. It popped right up and made itself known. Uh, it's an upgrade to the platform's built-in chat function with new features similar to what you see in something like Discord. It includes the ability to create voice and text channels, support for Im- uh, embedded videos, pictures, and tweets, of course, and the ability to invite someone with a link. Uh, I see this as a continued effort by everyone else in the entire video game sphere to create Slack slash Discord-like features in the wake of something as, as successful or as uh, growth-ridden as Discord. So not shocked by this. Blizzard's done it with their uh, service and with the ba- Battle.net launcher. That was a big deal for them a few months ago. Uh, makes perfect sense for the biggest PC platform in the world to do it. I don't know how much traction this gets. It'd be nice if they had some video conferencing features. There's a few questions I have about it, but overall, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm a little surprised it's this been this long coming. It's about time. It's a perceptual thing, though. Um, I mean, there's no reason you couldn't switch to using this instead of Discord right now. Everybody just needs to download the software and install it, and you can use it for any game, right? It's just even more convenient if you're playing a game that's through Steam, and so many games are part of Steam as it is, right? But a lot of people I don't think are going to switch from Discord to this because they're like, well, I I don't want to use my game library for that. When chat first showed up in Steam, it was a nice add-on like, oh, I can I can say hi to somebody while I'm in game. Whether Valve can get people to shift the behavior of Discord, which is I'm using this to talk to my fellow gaming friends, whether I'm playing or not, I don't know. Yeah, it's also important to note here, uh, Discord's made a recent push the other direction. So their their new landing page when you launch Discord is no longer your list of friends or your private messages and then off to the right is your big mess of, of servers. I mean, the whole thing's still kind of a mess, if I'm being honest. I don't think Discord's got great UI, but, you know, it works and people use it, so there you go. They've established themselves as a huge platform, and instead what they've done is reached more toward gaming. So their gaming page that you now land on lets you launch games from within that space. Now, sometimes those games are games you're playing on Steam, sometimes they're on Uplay, sometimes they're on other services, but the idea is that your friends have all explicitly said, yes, I'm playing World of Warcraft or yes, I'm playing Assassin's Creed Brotherhood or whatever it is. And you can now connect uh, that way. So they made a step closer to Steam. I actually think that that means something. I think the, the long tail on this is Discord makes a play and there are plenty of others doing this. So it's going to be a very competitive space, but they make a play toward becoming a front end for gaming now whether that's a full-blown store or not i don't know that's a long way from where they're at right now and i don't think it has to be a store to be successful yeah it doesn't yeah it could be though and that's where this is gets interesting because they don't really have a monetization um method right now they're not making a bunch of money Mm -hmm. so that could be their way to do it they've got the hearts and minds like this is actually kind of a big deal for them so that to me is a bigger news than steam saying hey we're expanding our chat platform I, my question is because I started using Discord here on DTNS because we have a Discord channel and then I have another channel uh, for another show. And the gaming part of it is I'm not utilizing at all, but it's a great chat platform mm-hmm. for voice and text. So does Steam care about expanding beyond the gaming community at all? Or do they feel like they're no. just sort of keeping up with these other platforms to keep their gaming community happy and not going somewhere else? The second thing, I think. I mean, I don't think they... I don't think they think that they're going to suddenly uh, become Skype or anything to that in that regard. 
but they do want to be able to say, hey, we've got those features here. There's no reason to go anywhere else. What they don't want is people leaving the platform. And there's other stuff coming up out of Tencent in China and others where they're launching new services that are genuine competitors to steam for the first time in a very long time and well and line just acquired a game studio and, right. and started and is going to merge it into a subsidiary called line games a lot of these messaging apps like wechat are trying to become a game platform themselves yeah and the biggest just to finish this up the biggest game in the world right now fortnite is part of epic epic has a launcher suddenly epic is now faced with this question do we now we that we have the biggest most looked at everyday platform do we go beyond what this is? And they could like that and they're owned by 10 cent or have a huge portion of them are. So that could change everything. So it, it, that is a really fascinating segment of the games market right now. And it's going to be really fun to watch. Moving on to keys, security keys. Google announced it will start selling its own Titan security keys, which is actually kind of a nice uh, uh, a follow-up to our conversation yesterday. The keys, which provide universal second factor auth, similar to YubiKey, are available either in USB or Bluetooth versions to Google Cloud customers now and eventually selling to the public later. Google also introduced context-aware access that lets administrators define information like an IP address or a time of day to help identify the users on their network. Yeah, it's almost as if Google PR decided to uh, push the story about Google Authenticator being used at Google yesterday so they could get two days out of the story when they announced that they were coming with their own Interesting keys Interesting timing, today. isn't it? I was like, oh, isn't that oh, oh, it's Google's own? Oh, good, yes. Uh, but it is interesting that Google's getting into selling these things, especially because the, at the conference where they announced this, YubiKey is an exhibitor. Yubico, I mean, is an exhibitor showing off their YubiKeys. And now Yubico is like trying to say, well, we think ours are still better because X, Y, and Z. And Google is not not working with Yubico. You can still use a Yubico key on your Google account. Uh, but but yeah, it's uh, the, the big difference is Yubico uses NFC, which they feel is more secure than Bluetooth. They don't think Bluetooth is reliable, especially because the key has to have a battery to work if you're using Bluetooth. All right, Google also announced the Edge Tensor Processing Unit AI chip and Cloud IoT Edge software. The ASIC chip can execute machine learning models under space and power constraints. It's, it's less than the size of a penny. Like, it's tiny. Uh, so it can go into these Internet of Things devices. It's basically a stripped-down version of the Cloud TPUs used to train machine learning models. The Cloud TPUs still create the model... And then the Edge TPU has just enough computation to execute it without having to wait for the cloud servers, which have to obey the speed of light. Here we are again, speed of light being a consideration in lag. Like, oh, well, if we can train the model and then have the model execute on these Edge units, then that'll be uh, more responsive than if they have to go to the cloud and back again all the time, uh, like Amazon and Microsoft's systems currently do. The Edge software will handle that interaction with the servers, so they're basically taking the, the Tensor platform, uh, the Tensor framework, and, and creating an Edge mo- version of that as well. Edge TPU will come in a development kit available in October. It's kind of like a Raspberry Pi module situation, and they just want developers to figure this out, to, to play with it and find uses for it. Now, keep in mind, Microsoft has IoT applications and devices. They've been partnering with companies like Qualcomm. Amazon Web Services has IoT-related software services and its own operating system for Edge devices. Every time Microsoft opens their mouth, they say intelligent cloud, it feels like. Uh, so, Or intelligent Edge, I mean. Uh, we made a big deal about that. It's like, this is the next buzzword. You're going to hear them say it a lot. So 
this is this is the the new battleground and google with this move wants to own the entire ai stack they're like you'll use our tpu cloud service for your training your machine learning models and then you'll have our edge processors in your devices and everything will come from us and you'll be happy that's what they say well let's hope we will be i love this stuff because uh I don't understand it hardly at all. Like I feel like the the, the entire co- cloud computing movement is a thing that is just ripping over my head like an actual cloud. And I'm trying to make a shape. I look at it and go, "What shape is it? Is that an elephant today? I don't know. Maybe." But well, e- I assume you use Adobe Creative Cloud. Well, of course, I mean, you I mean, understand the cloud what benefit I'm getting from all this stuff. I absolutely, know what benefit I'm getting. However, the 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 nooks and crannies, nuts and bolts, very confusing to me. I love that they're going to put these out and just let people go nuts with them. And I like Tom's comparison to like Raspberry Pi. It immediately makes me go, oh, creative people are going to come up with cool ideas and new ways to do this. And and I love that. So as dumb as I am about cloud computing and its actual functionality, I'm stoked about it. I think you're smart about cloud computing. It's the edge that, that you're, you're like, well, the edge of a cloud. Hold on. What's that about? Right. Yeah. Also, when I hear Internet of Things, I'm like, what do I have? I don't have a smart fridge. I don't know. What do I have? What but can you I get? will. Once <laughs> but they, I will. Once right, they start yeah. putting these TPUs yeah. and sensors, it'll be all Fridge at the stuff. speed of light. Right. I'm That's ready. Right. Uh, the packaging for Microsoft's adaptive controller, you guys may have seen this at E3 and other uh, events or in places that they've shown it, is also accessible just like the controller itself. The controller has two large programmable buttons and 19 jacks for accessibility accessories which is an enormous number of jacks, to be honest. Uh, the package includes loops, uh, multiple access points, hinges, levers, ris- ribbons, uh, make it easy to unpack. Uh, the, we're looking at an animation right now that Roger's showing for those who are listening via audio only. Even if you're someone who uses teeth to open things, seems like you could probably do that. The adaptive controller is $100 and arrives in September and is currently my number one pick for my favorite giant corporate uh, cool product, thing right now i love that they made this there's going to be a billion uses for it outside of even just the accessibility market but them thinking in these ways and quite literally thinking outside of the xbox is great and i love it and i applaud them for it. well and 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 you may you may laugh about opening a package with your teeth if you're not aware that that is a standard procedure for people in certain situations and it's 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 not it's not a joke (laughs) it's like oh yeah no i'm able to open things with my teeth if they're not a blister pack uh and and this is decidedly not uh you can open this in multiple ways and that's what accessibility is about is not just the controller itself, but making the entire experience of purchasing it on an accessible website to opening it to using it uh, accessible. And I, I, that's what I love most about this is Microsoft showing that they really are trying to think about accessibility all the way through the product cycle. Friends that I have in, at E3 who got hands on with this thing. The other nice thing to hear is that it's, it's actually nice. Like it's a well-made product. This isn't just some weird half-baked olive leaf to say look at us we're super inclusive look at our cool ideas to help those who can't help themselves or whatever and and just kind of create a pr stunt it's not that at all it's a really nice piece of hardware i feel like it's just the beginning of what could be some cool stuff coming out of microsoft i hope it encourages other companies to do the same like this just rad top to bottom and it makes me i don't know just really for me personally brings out a huge amount of respect for a company that's often perceived as a little cold and and uh, you know, dismissive, and and I think that's a really good move for them. 
Yeah, it's clever marketing, but it's also something that you don't see very often. Um, You know, a real nod to people who have accessibility uh, needs and limitations. It's really cool. Yeah. All right. Mozilla program manager Chris Peterson highlighted an issue with YouTube's recent redesign that caused it to run slow in browsers except for Chrome. The redesign relies on a depreciated API that is only or deprecated. Somebody actually corrected me the last time I got that wrong. Deprecated API that's only implemented in Chrome specifically. The solution is to force YouTube to run its classic mode. Firefox users can download the YouTube classic extension. Safari and Edge users need to use something called Tamper Monkey and a user script. Yeah, you, you, they don't make it easy to force classic mode, so you have to do these workarounds. But classic mode doesn't use this API. And even this API, even this deprecated API, uh, will run fine in newer versions of the script package that Chrome runs. But Chrome doesn't run those newer versions. Uh, they run Polymer 1.0. Polymer 2.0 or Polymer 3.0 in YouTube would mean that this would be not a problem in Firefox or Safari. So we talked about this a little on this morning stream uh, this morning, Scott, but it's my belief that, you know, Chrome and YouTube are not all sitting together hatching a plan. Uh, the YouTube people want as many people watching videos as possible. They don't want this to be a problem in the browsers, but I'm guessing it's it's sort of an internal blind spot where they were all using Chrome and not paying enough attention to the impact of this. And there's probably a lot of work that needs to be done to put Polymer 2 or Polymer 3 into YouTube. And so now they're like, well, you know, we've got so many things on our plate. Where do we prioritize fixing this? Especially yeah. if the majority of their users are from Chrome, which they probably are. Yeah. And a fix in the form of a, of a plugin is kind of a bummer. Not really my favorite way. I mean, it's, it's a workaround. It ain't a fix. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's not even really a fix. You're, you're basically running more code to fix a code problem. But I would really like them to fix this because I just think it looks bad. And I know that, you know, I agree with you this morning. This isn't like them sitting around going, ah, we've made it harder to use other browsers for a Google product. Now, YouTube wants you to be able to view YouTube wherever you are on whatever device you're on at any time of the day you want to do this. And I saw this problem with Firefox and it super ticked me off and uh, noticed that Chrome was running it just fine. So just from an appearance standpoint or whatever, go in there, tweak this thing, fix it, and everybody's happy. Yeah, uh, the nuns used to call this a sin of omission, not a sin of commission. They didn't <laughs> intend to make it not work in Chrome. They just didn't think about it not working in other browsers. They really come from nuns? I didn't know that. Yeah, in, in catechism when I was a kid. Uh, we would talk about sins of omission versus sins of commission and how they're both sins just because you didn't commit. What's the, what's the worst one? <laughs> that was the point. They're not, you, you don't get out like, well, it's just a sin of omission. They're like, nope, still a sin. Yeah, <laughs> you're still you. condemned to perdition. It was a little harsher back then. <laughs> <laughs> hey, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day at about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com. Uh, now, breaking right before the show, YouTube is expanding its virtual reality app to support Samsung's Gear VR devices and adding a new feature that lets users watch a video together and chat. Well, Sarah, that sounds very similar to something Facebook has announced, or at least widely released as well. Yeah, and uh, very good timing. Uh, can't imagine that these companies know what the other companies are doing. So yeah, uh, uh, news from this morning, Facebook has a new feature, which was actually in beta, so limited beta, possibly I've used it before, called a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Watch Party started as what Facebook called experimental tool. Uh, they introduced it back in January. They talked about it at F8 for Facebook group members to watch videos together. Now, once a few people have joined, it kind of works the way a lot of these third-party apps has worked before. There's somebody who's the host. They can uh, load up videos into a, a queue. If you are viewing it, you can suggest videos for the queue. The host can designate co-hosts to you know kind of help. We could all be in there kind of putting our, our queue together. And th- it's interesting because Facebook Live is not dissimilar to this, but that's live streaming. This is videos that people are watching on Facebook already, and Facebook's trying to figure out how to get us all to watch it together. It's kind of like playing DJ with videos, I guess. Yeah, but also the idea that whatever you're watching is in sync with whoever's watching it with you, and you're talking about it as if you're in the living room together. Again, this all sounds familiar. You know, I've heard this so many times. In fact, I was doing a, I was doing a search online uh, this morning to be like, what came before Watch Party? Watch Party sounds very familiar to me. Weren't there a lot of other, you know, there, there are. There's a Gaze, which is a, a an app. I I don't use it, but it's, you know, the whole idea is watch videos with people who are far away from you. And then there's uh, uh, TogetherTube, which is only YouTubes that people can watch together. Same idea. They all kind of work the same, right? Where there's a chat and there's a, a video in sync option. Watch Together is well known. It's always um, in uh, slideshow articles about this stuff. Um, and then there's a Chrome extension, which is called Netflix Party, which is interesting because, Tom, you mentioned when we were talking about this story this morning, wouldn't it be great if Netflix did this? Yeah, and, and I couldn't remember if it was a Netflix experiment because uh, sometimes they do those hackathons and they, they come up with this stuff and it never really hits hits people. But I it must have run across this extension uh, before because 
there there's two things going on one is the constant need of companies to want us to watch things together there was a a feature in blu-ray that would let you do this there was a feature in xbox that would let you do this and it never seems to catch on but the watch party the reason why i brought up the dj analogy is it's not just we'll sit and watch a movie together it's there's a host who's like let me play these cool viral videos and we can all talk about them together kind of feel to it Right. Didn't Xbox? I thought for a while Microsoft was experimenting with some kind of mm-hmm. let's watch yep. together. That's what yeah. I just said. Was that the one you were talking about? <laughs> I mentioned Xbox uh, along with Blu-ray. Uh, yeah. I missed. I missed that. Yeah. I never actually got to participate in that, but I, I don't think that's still a thing. I think that's done now. Well, well Facebook is, has no. been experimenting with a lot more original content. Its watch feature, obviously, is you know uh, similarly named to Watch Party, and Facebook doesn't necessarily. That's a little bit different, right? Because they're content partners. This is like if I'm just gonna throw out something on my timeline. Maybe if I if Facebook could make it advantageous for all of us to get together, watch it, spend more time on the network. That of course Facebook would then be, you know be able to say oh people are spending more time we like this then of course they're going to add this option I like this option I would like us all to watch something and have like a really easy way to watch it together I don't think these things ever catch on because they're only fun for a while and so they always make good demos they make good betas because the beta period is short enough that people don't get tired of it but they don't last people love it try it a couple times, have some fun, but it doesn't become a regular thing. Eventually you're like, you know what? I just want to, I don't want to have to go show up for the watch party. Like, I just don't think it, it has long lividness (laughs) to it. Not livid, but something like that. Well, so the, you know, they launched it in January and did a little testing. We are now, uh, they're now rolling it out to all Facebook groups. Obviously some Facebook groups have more, uh, enthusiastic members than others, but I think it really depends on, yeah, how, how much is that person who's kind of owning this experience using Facebook already? Is that where their network is? I can see this working really well for certain celebrities and people of interest, but not my profile. Mm. Yeah, I've got a fa- pretty active Facebook group for our Tadpool people, and I can see this being really well handled there. And I'd actually say that this is maybe the best application for this sort of thing because groups are inherently already a thing in theory that you joined in good standing and that it's sort of a shared already their shared ideology. It's not just some rando room full of people you don't know who are there to troll you. And so that already feels better to me. I've used big screen VR before, both on the uh, Oculus go and um, the Vive, And that's a sort of, you can also create private rooms, but that's sort of a drop in drop out of randos watching YouTube videos and it can get rough in there. So uh, I actually think this is probably the best, the best place for it, at least as a platform to then expand and do more. I'm, I'm going to put my prediction out right now that this does not catch on uh, again, because again, so many people have tried this. There is a limited market for it. It will always be popular at first with a group because it's novel and new, but it's not something people want to do for a long time. What people do want to do for a long time is watch a live stream. Whether it's somebody talking while they play a video game, or or just uh, or just live, you know, live streaming their life and, and chatting with folks, that is compelling. People like to do that. I don't know that they like, even if there's a celebrity host, to continually go have someone play videos for them. 
as much. Maybe they just haven't hit on the right formula of, of the person who really knows how to put together a good playlist and that'll happen and this'll hit off. Or maybe you're right, Sarah. Maybe it's with celebrities where you have enough churn in the audience that even if one person doesn't keep doing it every day for a long time, people keep showing up because it's such a vast audience. But I just I just don't believe this this ends up making a difference for Facebook. I also don't think movies are a good thing. I think that's boring and dumb and weird for that format. Uh, unless it's because you don't interact when you watch a movie in a theater you don't i mean there's something to being around other people but you don't want to sit there and chat with them while you're watching it no no, but some the whole point is that some people do like let's say you're watching i don't know a movie you've seen 50 times it's like your favorite kids movie like you don't necessarily need to be there silently not chatting that might be the fun of it could be there are, you know, there, there, there are instances where I think this would be fun. But yeah, Tom, you're right. Is it every Thursday? How do you like keep up the momentum of this? Yeah, where I, like I could watch fail videos with my friends all day, but I, I think there's just a limited <laughs> appeal. Whereas the one streaming to many method of say Twitch or whatever, that also seems a little crazy on some level. Like if you go back ten years and say, hey, people are going to sit and watch by the hundreds of thousands somebody play a video game and comment on his play you would have maybe said, mm, sure, whatever, well, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, that's happening. That's the thing. People are into it. So maybe we're wrong on this or there's some curve we don't see. But I, I just don't know, man. It just seems like a weird – I couldn't do it for very long, I don't think. The more I read about it, the more I'm like, yeah, uh, live streaming. That's, you know, people watching a thing that someone's hosting. <laughs> like that. That's what works. I don't think we need to reinvent it. Well, thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit, reinventing it every day, in fact. Submit stories and also vote on other stories submitted by your peers at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. We are also on Facebook, and we have a group. Maybe we'll do a viewing party at some point, even though Tom and Scott don't seem to want to. (laughs) Facebook.com slash group slash Daily Tech News Show. All right. Let's see what's in the mailbag, Sarah. All right. Staff Sergeant Rob Jenkins, he says he is from uh, oh so rainy Orlando, Florida. Had a few thoughts on physical security keys uh, from our Google story yesterday that was more about Google employees than a Google product. Uh, But he said, speaking as an Air Force communication system troop for well over a decade, this is exactly the same thing that the DOD has been doing for about uh, 15 years works great. Every employee gets an ID card known as a common access card, has a security chip installed into it with PKI certificates. They can be used for network access, computer stuff, email, logging into DOD websites. You just insert your card into a reader and enter your PIN. Easy. He called me Scooter. Scooter, though, wondered about the issue of people losing those cards and if that's just a huge hassle. Happens when you have around 3 million employees. It's going to keep happening. The old card is easily invalidated. New one can be issued. And then he said, P.S., and I think this is for you, Tom. Go Cubs. Oh, man. Uh, Sergeant Jenkins, I, I was I was with you right there till the end. Uh, then you lost me on that. <laughs> <laughs> last line actually emailed him back saying pretty much the exact same thing but this is great this is great yeah. info thank you sir yeah absolutely we also got another quick email uh, from brian who wrote in on our topic about uh nudity on facebook uh, um and religious uh, it was the it was the pictures. rubens piece of artwork that was used in an ad and a flanders museum's ad was banned because it had this classic piece of art in it that showed jesus without a top on so Brian says, well, imagine my confusion when I heard that Pee Wee Herman was an accomplished painter. I didn't know. Took a minute to realize that Scooter was talking about a work of art by Flemish artist Peter Paul Rubens, not Paul Rubens. This is what happens when you trust me to write your article for you, and I forget Peter. It, 
in your I did not remember that was Peter Herman's name. So good work, Brian. And sorry for the confusion. That is definitely, that would have been a really different spin on that story. We are friends enough with the Flemish artist that we just call him Paul. That's yeah. that's why that yeah, happened. Paul Rube. Yeah. P. Rube. Uh, speaking of uh, Gojo, I don't know. I tried to do that on the fly. That was too hard. Scott Johnson, what's been going on since we saw you this time last week? That's what threw me off earlier because I used to, my nickname was growing up was Scooter. So I'm really? seriously thrown by that. Uh, hey, there's a lot going on, uh, all kinds of stuff. I don't even know where to begin, so I won't. I'll just tell people to go to frogpants.com and keep an eye on things. There's always something going on. There's plenty of shows happening each and every day. I do uh, not just this on Wednesdays, but I do a show with Tom usually on Tuesdays, although this week it'll be on Thursday called Current Geek. Very excited about that. Uh, that and a whole bunch of other shows on the Frog Pants podcast page. So check that out. And, oh, that's probably it. Check me out on Twitter because there's always something to be uh, read and said there. I'm at Scott Johnson. And as always, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Formerly Extra Life. Uh, thank you to everybody who supports the show directly. Uh, there's all kinds of ways to support the show. If you just listen to the main show, uh, there may be ads in there. That helps us out. Uh, if you want an ad-free version, supporting us on Patreon, we'll send out a link to an ad-free feed uh, once a month. Or you can just subscribe to Good Day Internet through the Patreon, which gets you a longer show, pre- and post-show, uh, more talking about all kinds of stuff. Uh, and uh, you can buy stuff in our store, dailytechnewsshow.com slash store. We have brand new mugs in there dtns mugs with a green interior get them while they're green uh dailytechnewsshow.com slash store you know what else we have we have an email address and we'd like you to use it feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com is how you can give us questions comments submissions for topics something you heard about last week all of that we are also live monday through friday at 4 30 p.m eastern 2030 utc find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live back tomorrow with justin robert young talk to you then is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> oh. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.